Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Clean and Green Podcast, where we're clean, we're green, and we're teens who are striving to give you accurate and helpful information that will ultimately help you lead the cleanest, and greenest, and teenest? No. The cleanest and greenest life you can live. First up, we have Sultanas, the segment where we discuss all the current environmental news. Get it? Currents? Like, Sultanas? Anyone? Never mind. Then, it's the cleanest and greenest segment, where we meet with people who are pushing forward the world of sustainability. Today, I did an interview with a representative for the School Strike for Climate Change Movement in Australia. Then, we'll get down to earth and discover more about the fast fashion industry. And finally, it's your garden, where we'll discuss how you personally can live a sustainable life. Listen to the end of the episode to find out what today's tip is. But before we begin today's episode, we would just like to apologise for the terrible audio quality. Because of the current situation, we can't get together in real life. We're recording through a video chat. Hopefully, you can still enjoy the episode, though. Speaking of... Alright, first up, it's Sultanas, where we'll tell you all the current environmental news. At the time of recording, it's the 25th of May, so if polar bears go extinct on the 26th, well, first of all, we said it first. And second of all, damn it. But really, really sorry if we missed anything that hasn't happened yet. So, basically, the North Arctic Ocean will be ice-free by 2050. It's currently covered in sea ice all year round, but if global warming continues the way it has been going, in summers even before 2050, the ice will have disappeared temporarily. And even if we do reduce CO2 emissions greatly, we've made such an impact already that it will still disappear before 2050. Wow. The sea ice currently is a hunting ground and habitat for polar bears and seals, and the ice cover also keeps the Arctic cool by reflecting sunlight, so it's really important. It's pretty essential. For the second time in a year, residents of the Air Valley in southwest Victoria in Australia, <laughs> have become stranded by rising river levels. More than 20 Air Valley residents have become stuck over the last week as rising river levels flood road access to the district. It is understood a sandbank build-up at the Air River mouth near Apollo Bay has caused inland water levels to rise. Residents say that the flooding could be prevented by Parks Victoria and that it is hurting small businesses and farms in the region. And this isn't the only case of this happening. Things like this are happening all around the world. It's not just in Australia. Yeah, this is just one example of many. Now, Siri is useless, so we're actually not sure if it's Air Valley or Airy Valley. My my vote isn't for Airy Valley, but you guys seem to think that air makes more sense. <laughs> we're sorry to any Air Valley. <laughs> yeah, very sorry to all listeners. the people who live in Airy Valley. Spelled A-I-R-E. Airy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. Um, so the COVID lockdowns actually have some positive effects. No uh, way. No way. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is new. So they've significantly impacted air quality because no one is going anywhere. There's less transport, cars, no one's catching planes, trains or buses. Um, especially in an area of India called Punjab, they haven't been able to see the Himalayas for the past nearly 30 years now. Um, but now, due to the lockdown, less air pollution, they can actually see them, which is very cool. 
glad to see that there's one good thing coming from staying with your family all day in one house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the end of Sultanas for today's episode. And now we've got the cleanest and greenest segment where Bobby did an interview with Hamish Teasdale, who's a representative of the School Strike for Climate Organisation. He's representing them. Yeah. Keep listening for more Enviro info. Oh no, is that our tagline now? <laughs> so I'm here with Hamish Teasdale, who is involved in the School Strike for Climate group in Australia. Um, and I've just got a few questions that he's going to be reading out on behalf of one of the other people in that group, and I'll have a few questions for him. But Hamish, how are you today? I'm lovely. Thank you for having me on the show, Poppy. How are you? I'm good as well. Oh, lovely. Just trying to deal with isolation. <laughs> no, I, it's such a struggle. Too much school. <laughs> okay. So our first question for you today is, what inspires you and what is your goal? Well, I think my motivation and the motivation for many climate activists is knowing what will happen if governments, businesses and people from around the world don't act and act now. I mean, like climate change is unlike issues that past generations have had to raise awareness about. I'm not saying those issues aren't important, but for us, you know, to quote Greta Thunberg, either we prevent 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming or we don't. Either we can avoid setting off that irreversible chain reaction beyond human control or we don't. Either we choose to go on as a civilization or we don't. It's as black as white as it gets. There aren't really many grey areas when it comes to survival. I think that quote is enough for me to want to make a change. Yeah. So why do you think people haven't responded more to climate change though? Like it's this big issue, everyone's aware of it and we've got all this scientific proof but not everyone is accepting it. That's a really good question Poppy. I think yes while there is a lot of awareness, a lot of people aren't responding because I don't think they ha- they quite aware the severity of the crisis mm. in a way. Like the science is clear, but you know, uh, Clive Hamilton, a professor of public ethics at Charles Sturt University, uh, thinks there are quite a few reasons that people aren't responding to climate change. Um, with he- yeah, his main one being that the threat is not personal enough. It's not abrupt and it's not clearly visible. Because climate change is one of those things that slowly it's taken over over years and years, like winter, it still gets cold, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's a really good article um, on climatechat.org, uh, Why We Don't Care More, that I recommend people having a quick read if they have a spare time. Sounds really good. Um, so how, from your experiences, can we motivate people to respond and take action against climate change? From my experience, the biggest barrier is education. In my eyes, the people that aren't taking action just don't seem to know enough about the crisis. Protesting is another way to raise awareness, as evidenced by the growing crowds that protest. Um, another idea, great way is to raise more awareness and motivate people is to, is just starting a conversation, having a chat. Yeah. Because um, that's how we learn and grow. That's really yeah. good. Hopefully people will listen to this podcast and <laughs> listen to this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, like what you're saying about it not being visible to everyone because especially I think in Australia, America, England, many first world countries just don't like believe it always. But if you're in 
say, Africa and you've seen all this like, or maybe not exactly climate change, but all this terrible stuff happening to your country. If you're in Venice and you're seeing your city literally exactly. sinking. That's a great one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many Pacific Islands as well, like yeah, they can especially. see it. They've got a couple of years left until their island is completely underwater. Oh, gosh. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, and so now I've just got a few questions just for you. Um, what is one easy thing that everyone can do right now to start living more sustainably? That's a really good question. Um, I think the easiest things are always the smallest things. And I know they're said a lot, but just everything from turning your lights off when you leave a room, um, shorter showers, you know, save power, any little thing, using the recycling more, taking a reusable coffee cup. Yeah, compost bins. Compost. All these things, they, they do add up. And I think additionally also they make you a better person to help others in becoming more sustainable as well yeah it's it's a really good answer and last question what is the hardest thing about trying to live sustainably while being a student as you are i think it's tough being a student because a lot of the time you don't have control if you're living with your parents you know you, you can't change the way that people live and i'm not trying to say you should um but I think it's just having that the impact that you want when either, you know, you, you don't have enough money to take the most sustainable option. Yeah. You don't have the influence. Um, I think it's just that control that you don't quite have. Yeah. But, but in, most importantly is that as you grow up and you do have more access to resources and money and options, you... S- make sure that you do take those options when you can. Yeah. That's, I think, the most important thing. And, of course, right now we don't have much influence, but when there's thousands of us, when there's millions of us all over the world striking school to try to protest climate change, I think that that's influencing mm. the world and the government's choices. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, this has been really nice. Thanks, Amy. Thank you for having me, Poppy. And now let's get down to earth and learn more about the fast fashion industry. Brayden? Yeah, we're today we've got all about the fast fashion industry from looking at it throughout Australia to a global scale. So what is fast fashion anyway? Uh, fast fashion, the dictionary meaning is cheap, trendy clothing that samples ideas from the catwalk or celebrity culture and turns them into garments in high street stores at breakneck speed. Uh, can we get that in an understandable language, please? Yeah, sure. It's basically just the clothes that you buy from department stores. So it's clothing we used at a very fast rate, right? Did I understand that right? Yeah. It's like, I think we see this a lot in the culture of like celebrity culture and TV shows of, oh, I wore this once. I can never wear it again. I've been seen in it. No way. Like, I think, I don't even know, I don't follow this kind of thing, but wasn't there some big scandal like, oh, my gosh, this real princess wore the same dress to two events? Crazy. No. When really that should be celebrated, like, yes, she's so being sustainable. is fast fashion the result of a lot of social pressure? Well, yeah, social pressure is a big part of it. It's There's a lot of factors, but 
social pressure from like celebrities or major social figures has a big part of it. Like yeah. maybe some famous person will wear something and that will they'll start a trend and everyone will buy clothes and textiles to go with this trend. And when the trend's over, they throw it away and buy stuff for the new trend. Yeah. Which isn't isn't very sustainable, of course. What are some of the effects of fast fashion? Yeah, how much are we actually throwing away? Fast fashion has a lot of range of effects from the fact that a lot of it is made overseas. So transporting, so the materials would come from one place and be transported Mm. to another place to be made into these garments and clothing and then transported to actually to the place that it's sold so that's a lot of fuel going into a lot of ships going to a lot of different countries before we actually buy these clothes yeah and it would take uh lots of water to grow these uh cotton garments especially and a lot of uh pollution when they're making plastic packaging as well yeah, like the microplastics that are part of the fabric, which uh, microplastics are used as a cheaper way to mass produce the clothing. And when we actually throw these away, these microplastics enter the ocean. And yeah, here we have on current trend, number of plastic microfibers that entered the ocean in the last five years, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, no, from now to 2050 could accumulate to an excess of 22 million tons which is two-thirds of the plastic in garments annually wow so that's oh, wow. saying that two-thirds of the clothes that we buy are going to be thrown out and that plastic is going to end up in the ocean that's terrible yeah, so, yeah it's really bad so we know that uh our fast fashion is really bad for the environment, but basically how big of an impact is it? So how many pieces of clothing are we actually wasting? Well, first off on Australian scale, we throw around 27 kilos of textiles out each year for each person in Australia. Wow. So now on a more global scale, 80 billion pieces of clothing are consumed globally every year with the production of clothing doubling since 2005. Was that 80 billion? Eight, yeah, 80 billion. Oh, God. Wow. (laughs) So are there people who are more likely, more susceptible to this fashion industry? Yeah, definitely. We have, so different generations are definitely more susceptible than others. Mm-hmm. For example, millennials, so people born after 1981, are twice as likely as baby boomers to toss out clothing because it's unfashionable, they're bored of wearing it, or they've got something better. So mm-hmm. it's the younger people who are creating yes. this fast fashion industry younger people who are more into these trends and they're into following these high profile people which Mm. lead to these trends of fast fashion yeah do you personally think social media would have anything to do with this social media yeah definitely has a huge effect for what so more social figures on social media like instagram or facebook or snapchat 
stuff they wear, stuff they would wear when they're posting or they're live streaming or something can definitely be what other people are buying and throwing away because that stuff that they're wearing can start trends. Okay. So what other effects does it have or, like, is there anything else you want to tell us about it? Yeah, definitely. There's a few more things, actually. Hmm. Another big thing with fast fashion is the actual burning off of clothing. Oh, gosh. Where just clothes gets worse. that are thrown out are just burned off because no one's going to use them anymore. That's terrible. In department stores like H&M, Kmart, OBW, they will throw out and burn clothes. So, for example, H&M. Um, which has made much of its green agenda with recycling points in stores. They call it conscious collection. Actually burn about 19 tons of obsolete clothing every year. Oh, gosh. It's terrible because, like you said, they burn it and they chuck it out because they think no one's going to use it anymore. But there's so many homeless people. Like, in all these countries in the world, homeless people, people who actually need this clothing, who can't get it, like... A lot of yeah. people who are less fortunate who would really benefit from these clothes that are just being burnt off every day. Yeah. yeah. So and that's actually, there are some businesses like in Australia, we have the Salvos and Vinnies and stuff where you can recycle your old clothing and they'll be sold at a cheaper price for people who are less fortunate and might not have the money to be able to afford clothes from these big department stores. Yeah, so so that's that's one way of escaping the fast fashion industry. Uh, just coincidentally, is there any such thing as slow fashion? Yeah, there is. We got slow fashion, as said in the dictionary, is a concept describing the opposite to fast fashion and oh. part of the slow movement, which advocates for manufacturing in respect to people, environment, and animals. So enough with the dictionary definitions. What does it actually mean? Well, it's basically just not following this fast fashion trends, whether it's something as little as reusing clothes or maybe wearing something that you would usually throw out, wearing it a little bit longer instead of just throwing it out and going and buying something else. I think another way we can do this is, especially in families with lots of children or if you have many cousins or even family friends who are younger than you, instead of throwing clothes out, like hand them down to your siblings or cousins or friends who are going to like want them and use them and need them. Yeah, and even if you think they might not want them, it's better to just ask, just in case. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. And there's so many places like op shops and um, churches even that are accepting clothing donations. Yeah, there's especially churches, which is a big one that I forgot, is they will collect your clothes and they take them around to homeless tribes or businesses and or non-for-profit businesses that are supporting homeless people or people that are less, not as well off as the general population. Yeah, or if you have a sewing machine at home, which I do, is like turn your old shirts into bags or like stuff something with them and use it as stuffing to make a pillow. I know a lot of my old clothes become even if sewing you experiments. Like parents, if you're, say, our age and you have your parents' clothes, old clothes, you can 
re-upholster them, which is not a good term to use. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. Into something new and something you can wear. Like cup cycling. Yeah, because even uh, if you think the clothing's not that good anymore, the actual material, just think of how far it's come. Think of all the different resources uh, humankind has had to exploit to make this material. So, yeah, I think it's time for everyone to start being a little more um, respectful to their clothing. Yeah, and I think maybe this fast fashion industry is this related to the fast food industry? They're both fast? Mm. They're both fast, but there's also a lot of differences. True. Well, they're both fast, they're both unsustainable. And the human race exploiting what we have to mass produce it. Yeah, well, we can talk about fast food another time. Are there any other questions about fast fashion? Actually, yes, there is. Ugh. A quote came to mind as we were discussing before which was, act local, think global. I've heard that. We're supporting local businesses that make garments, home make or sell garments. We are not only just supporting our local businesses in our local area, but we're actually supporting the environment because these fast fashion giants make clothes to fall apart. They make clothes that aren't going to last you long, so you go back and you buy more. But if we're supporting these local businesses, we're getting clothes which will no doubt... They'll be better quality. Which will no doubt be better quality and more sustainable methods of being made. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so if you've got any questions that we might or any points we might not have covered in this uh, episode. If you want to find out more about fast fashion, you can head to our website at cleanandgreenteam.wixsite.com slash podcast and head to the contact page and we'll try and answer any questions you have. Thanks for listening to Fast Fashion. And now for your garden where we'll teach you some tips and tricks to help you lead a more sustainable life. Today we'll show you how you can regrow your fruit and vegetables. Over to you, Bella. Okay, so today we've got potatoes, apples, pears, cherries, mint, and basil. Mm. So with our potatoes, uh, we need to cut them in half and place them face down on a paper towel. Then we'll, we can leave them overnight. And okay. in the morning, you can bury them face up just below the surface of a planter box, uh, your garden, anything yeah. really. I've done that before and I did. It went very well and we got potatoes and my dad made chips for dinner. That was really fun. Yeah, so uh, the good thing about this is that you don't have to have a massive garden or any special mm. materials really. It's something you can do really easily with just your average Ordinary, everyday, you know, potatoes. So you could even do this with, say, like a planter box inside your house. You wouldn't yep, if you definitely. didn't have any, like, outside, you could still grow inside. Definitely, as long as you make sure they've got enough sunlight and water to grow. Cool. What's next? 
All right, so next we have some fruit, which is apples, pears, and cherries. Yum, yum, and yum. <laughs> yeah, yum. Um, you can do these all together or one at a time, and basically you just have to collect some seeds, at least three or four, that'll be fine, and you can fold them inside a paper towel, so just one layer of paper towel on the bottom and one on the top. We can place it inside a container and make sure they're flat against the bottom inside that paper towel. Then we can just spray a little water on top. So if you don't have a spray bottle, you could just uh, dribble some water, but make sure it's not too much. Uh, and then basically you just put the lid on and refrigerate the container until they sprout. Once they're sprouted, you can place them in small pots. Again, you don't have to have a massive garden to grow these. And obviously we're not expecting to grow really big apple trees or anything but it's a little fun project that you can do to make your life a little more sustainable that's very cool now i have a question do cherries grow on trees or bushes because i genuinely have no idea uh i believe that cherries grow on cherry trees um we have cherry blossoms which are actually Uh. the flower before the cherry grows see there we go i should have known that yeah, that's okay. I'm sure anyway. So I just have a question. When we're yes. putting those seeds in the container, we're just putting the seeds already folded up in the paper towel in the container and nothing else. Is that right? Yeah, you don't need any dirt inside that container to start with. Basically, you just need one layer of paper towel covering the bottom of the container. You need just seeds and then one layer of paper towel over the top and with a little bit of water. Cool. Sounds really easy. Really fun. Yeah, it is definitely, and it's a rewarding project to watch um, your little plants grow and to eat cherries. Hopefully, if they're fruit. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So over to some herbs. We've got mint and basil, and basically you can do the same thing for both of them. So you you cut off the bottom of the big stem shoot, whatever you call and it. And this we got like from the supermarket or anything. Yeah, so you just basically cut off the bottom. You can use that to cook or eat or whatever. Um, Basically, you want the top three inches of the plant. And we can. And does that have leaves on it? Uh, Yeah, we can have a few leaves on it, but we're going to take off these Uh. leaves where they connect to the stem. So, like, we don't want to, because this is where they'll regrow. But you want to leave the top couple leaves on. So we've got a nice little stem with the top leaves on and all the rest plucked off then we can just place them in a jug of water and you want to make sure half of those places where you took off the leaves are above and below the surface so about halfway through the stem halfway up the stem that's where you want the water and you'll leave them there until they the roots grow out five centimeters long and then we can transfer them to soil Awesome. I actually do have some mint growing in my backyard, um, just like everywhere. We tried to have it in a proper vegetable garden and it just kind of escaped and it's it's growing wild all over our garden. But that's really fun. We can have it and put it in drinks or food and stuff. Yeah. I do have a question as well. As you said, we had to take most of the leaves off when we start growing these. So would you say that it would be best they grow them when we're cooking something in the herbs. 
because will the leaves last long if you take them off the stem? Uh, yeah, definitely. I try and time this for when you're going to use these leaves because this, uh, your garden, is all about reusing and um, trying to be more sustainable. So, yeah, we don't want to just throw out leaves in mm. the bin. Yeah. yeah, I think especially mint is really nice when you have, like, soda water and ice and you can get, like, lime juice inside and then you put mint on top and then it's all minty. And oh, nice. Sounds good. i got to try that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this part of Your Garden. The episode's nearly over, but hang on just a little bit longer. Thank you. And that's it for now from the cleanest and greenest. But thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to find us, we are at cleanandgreenteens.wixsite.com slash podcast. Sorry, we know it's a mouthful. That's cleanandgreenteens.wixsite.com slash podcast. Remember, cleanandgreenteens, no spaces. And our Instagram is at underscore cleanandgreen underscore podcast. And if you really want to support us, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. And if you want to give us feedback, send something cool, or just say hi, feel free to email us at cleanandgreen.teens at gmail.com. That's cleanandgreen.teens at gmail.com. So see you next time on Clean and Green. Remember to stay clean. Stay green. And stay a teen.